Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Do you find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecha Nutrition? Mecha Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecha's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most Most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecha Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecha Nutrition. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661-695-9061. I've been using Mecha Nutrition products for over a year and a half now. And for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at neil or neil at mechanutritionstore.com rumor has it if you mention mecha nutrition you may come away with an added discount as well but you didn't hear it from me so go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now mecha nutrition build a better you code OSHO10 for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com, no hidden fees, and the uh, promo code OSHO20 for $20 off your next order at Mecha Nutrition. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Hunter Shelton is back, my co-host from the 5050 Booking Podcast for the first time in a long time. He took a long hiatus. He is back. Uh, I think the last time we talked was close to over the summer. Yeah, it's been a few months. And today we're obviously going to review UFC uh, 244. Nate Diaz got a cut and basically screwed himself out of a, a BMT title opportunity against uh, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, lost the chance for Dwayne The Rock Johnson to wrap the belt around his waist, which is a pre- pretty big honor, I guess, these days. Uh, Canelo Alvarez wins his fight, is now a four-division champion 
in boxing, 11th round victory. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, the MLB postseason a little bit because you're a Twins fan. I'm a Yankee fan. We had a nice little series over the summer in Minnesota where the Twins were just kicking the shit out of the Yankees back and forth. There was one game when they were up 8-2 to two and you were rubbing it in my face, and then the Yankees ended up coming back to win 14-12. to 12. In extra innings, Aaron Hicks' diving catch, the icing on the cake. Yankees-Twins ALDS 2019. Uh, this was the one Yankees-Twins series I thought it probably was going to go five. Like, I, I thought the Twins were going to be as competitive as the Yankees in this series, but they had 307 home runs, the Yankees with 306 uh, coming into the series, the most home runs ever by one team in Major League Baseball history. Uh, great pitching. Well, okay pitching. I mean, one of your guys was an Uber driver, let's be honest. It was okay pitching. Shout out Randy Dobnak. Poor Randy Dobnak. Connect with him on LinkedIn, Randy Dobnak. He's a former Lyft driver, former Uber driver, current pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, he started in game two, got roughed up a little bit. So, again, I thought this was going to be a five-game set. Two powerhouses going at it with okay pitching. But history repeated itself. Now the Yankees have defeated the Minnesota Twins in 13 consecutive postseason games your thoughts hunter you know man i i think it's very generous of you to say that you thought it was going to go five because I did. Deep, down yeah. in my, deep down in my heart i wanted it to go five i thought there was a chance that it was going to go five the yankees owning the twins is just like it's it's a part of baseball at this point it's like etched in like history that the twins can't be the yankees and like as soon as game one finished and you all won after we got off to like a decent start in like the first couple innings and then like i looked at like the box previewing game two and i saw randy dobnak's face and like everything just kind of sat back at like reality it was a big reality check that, like, as good as this team was in the box, they were never really going to beat the Yankees. I mean, it was, so I said 13 straight wins now against the Twins in postseason play. I think it was your president who said, all right, it's time to slay the Dragon. Like, that was yeah. the one thing, like, we're going to slay the Dragon. New York Yankees, Minnesota Twins. And this was the first Twins team that was going to give the fight to the Yankees. If 101 this, wins. not this past year, then, like, when? Like 101 wins during the regular season. Most home runs by a team in Major League Baseball history with 307. The Yankees pitching was not good all season long. You had Paxton in game one, Tanaka in game two, who you didn't know what you were going to get going into the postseason with Tanaka. And then Severino, a guy who started two games during the regular season prior to his start in Minnesota. Uh, Game one obviously gets away from the Twins late. They take a quick lead off of the home runs from Polanco and Cruz. And then uh, Paxton gets shelved after, what, four and two-thirds innings in that game. The Yankees' offense turns it on. They win, what was it, 10-4 at the end? And then you're down 1-0 in the series. You go with Randy Dobnak, the Uber driver, in game two. Started the year in single A. You go with him in arguably the most important game of your season. I didn't understand that move whatsoever. I don't know why Odorizzi's not pitching. It was tough. I you know, I thought, like, maybe throw Odo game two, but then, like, who are you giving the ball to game three? Kyle Gibson was not that great down the stretch, and it didn't seem like he was going to be able to, like, provide anything of substance. And then, obviously, Pineda popped, which was a pretty big blow because, like, he was pretty good for us throughout the majority of the regular season when he was healthy. And, yeah, then you turn to an Uber driver. Realistically, like, when you look at the lineup that the Yankees run out there, and you see Randy Dobnak's, like, flat-ass fastball that's just, like, cruising in there at, like, a solid 89 right down the pipe, and, like, he's in, like, 3-0 counts with, like, guys like Aaron Judge and Stanton. I mean, there was no chance he was ever going to, like, throw more than, like, three or four innings. I don't remember what... I think, what, he only threw, like, one and, like, two-thirds or something like that? Yeah, he, I don't think he got out of the second inning. 
it was you know no no offense to the guy i mean he, he had got married like a week before the series had started like right around like he was living the dream and oh he was on like cloud nine before that series yeah i, I mean, mean you could have gone into that series and think like holy crap this is gonna be that uh scenario where the former uber driver started the year in single a great story comes in to yankee stadium and shuts him out seven innings strong to get the series been, tied back to minnesota it would have been one of those great postseason stories yeah yeah, but no, this got rocked. But then, and then like our bullpen is—I mean, it, it was the weakest part of our team, and it kind of got exposed. I mean, as bad as those first two games, I think Game Three was uh, well. Obviously, it was the nail in the coffin, but that was just the biggest. It was sad. That was that was just like spitting in their face how bad that game was. Just it, it was, it was really so sad. close the entire the, the entire game. I think the Yankees won five one, but it was two nothing throughout the entire day. And the Twins are pouncing on Severino. Bottom of the second inning, bases loaded, nobody out. You think, all right, here we go. We're going to blow this game open. Two to one, bring on game four. And Severino gets out of it with three strikeouts. 29 runners left on base for Minnesota in game three. 29-2-9. And they, they hit the ball hard at multiple different occasions with runners in scoring position. The Yankees were right there defensively. Probably the greatest game they played defensively all year, the Yankees. And, I mean, like, you take a team like Minnesota, knock the cover off the ball all year, and you put them in Yankee Stadium. Like, you know, they were doing that, like, playing half their games in Target Field. And, like, Target Field is by no means a, a pitcher's park, but it's not, like, the easiest park to, like, poke one out in. And, like, you put them in Yankee Stadium, you think, like, the ball is just going to, like, fly constantly. And it did at first, but then, like, the Yankees just had better pitching. And, like, the guys didn't know how to, like, match up. And, like, Max Kepler was terrible. Uh, Nelson Cruz, a lot of strikeouts. Um, per expected. Miguel Sano wasn't great. And we were relying on guys like Luis Arias, who were getting called up from the minors, like, around the end of the year to, like, be the guys to keep a rally going. Like, Marvin Gonzalez, even though he had postseason experience, wasn't great at all. And, yeah, it was just basically one big reality check that as good as they were in the regular season, they weren't ready for the big lights. I mean, let's say they went up against the Astros in the ALDS. Do you think they would have had a shot? In hindsight, probably not. But, I mean, it probably would have been closer just because there wouldn't have been that storyline. Yes. You know. I mean, they went to five with the Rays. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely possible. I like Being a Twins fan, like, I'm happy that they got to the point that they did this year. I mean, it was a bounce back from, like, a pretty bad year last year. You know, you take it, but you just wish that you could have got that monkey off your back, and now you have the, out of, like, the four uh, major sports, like, the worst postseason losing streak ever. Vikings started looking, looking like they were going to turn it around. They're having a pretty rough year this year. Twins, 101 wins. 13 straight consecutive losses against the Yankees in postseason play. Have they played anybody else besides the Yankees during that stretch? Ooh. Um, I don't think so. Well, no, because it's only been a few times they've made it since I've been alive. And I believe every time they've been in the wild card game, it's the last two times it's been against the Yankees. Because I know, obviously, this year, 2017, they didn't make it in 2018. Then they had that long stretch, 09 and 2010 against the Yankees. I don't yeah, think they made they it between the, 11 and 15. They had the one-game playoff against the White Sox, I think it was. I remember Carlos Gomez scoring like a – or he scored the – Right, to like right. To the yeah. Season. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that was one of the last seasons in the Metrodome maybe. Or I don't know. That could have already been a target field. I don't know. It's been a long time. Uh, I think that was at the Metrodome. So that was a while ago. And then like Scott Baker like had like a, a no-hitter going into like the eighth inning against the Yankees and like the Twins were winning just to like – blow it in the ninth in Minnesota fashion. Uh, you win on what, you what, 101 wins this year. They're probably the favorites again next year in the AL Central. They'll be fine. 
Yeah, I mean, Cleveland will, there's, Cleveland can't have two done years in a row like that. They'll get better production out of their main guys that have carried them the past few years. So it'll be close, but they're the two teams for sure. It'll be fine. Just don't play the Yankees in the ALDS. Yeah, easier said than done. You want to talk about Canelo, Kovalev? fight last night they waited uh the main event for that fight they what they waited an hour just so they didn't want to close to i know they had up to 90 minutes after the fight before the fight before canelo's fight to get them out there because they said they they just straight up said they didn't want to compete with the ufc they wanted to wait for the masvidal diaz fight to be over before they let uh canelo and kovalev go out there which like you know kind of a bitch move but you kind of have to respect it like they know that they're up against like a bigger draw in, like, UFC 244, so why not wait to get the maximum amount of viewers that you can? I mean, Diaz, Masvidal, I don't know if, like, that's, like, the marquee matchup that's going to kill you in ratings. Like, obviously, I think any night of the week you put up boxing against UFC, the UFC is going to win. But given how, yeah. how it was Madison Square Garden, brand new championship belt, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's presenting it. Like, they got Dwayne, right? Like, you're not competing against yeah, I mean, they- that. Like, the BMF title is a $50,000 belt. They put, like, so much stock into it. I mean, like, they, like this was, like, the second biggest gate ever behind UFC 205, which was McGregor Diaz 2. Like, then it wasn't even for a real title. Like, that's how big of a fight it was. And, like, Nate Diaz went from a guy who wasn't a needle mover, according Dana, to Dana White a few years ago, to being able to sell out the garden for... A brand new belt that was just a concept, and yeah, just to see who the baddest motherfucker was. It's funny, it's like the new Universal Championship, but in UFC. Oh man. Not to make that comparison, not to piss off any uh, UFC or wrestling fans out there. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's cool to see that the UFC like did something like that, though. I mean, over the years, it'll probably become more prestigious. I mean, Jorge Masvidal, two very impressive wins in his last two fights. You're never going to forget that five-second win his last time around, just going no. full Ninja Turtle, never. knee to the face, go to sleep, and that was it. And then, I of mean, course, this win kind of controversial, kind of not the way either. Like, Jorge Masvidal even admitted, like, we're going to do this again. And I know that's not the way everybody wanted it to end. At the same time, he was like, don't boo us for it. But that's not the way yeah, they wanted no, the fight I mean, end. it's not their fault. And, I mean, realistically, if Jorge wanted to say, like, no, I'm not giving him a rematch. He's in every right. He can say that because he won pretty much all 15 minutes of those rounds. I mean, he was dominant. And granted, like, Nate Diaz is Nate Diaz. and He gets going late. But, I mean, he was the better man of the night. And it's, like, it's the kind of guy that he is to just say, like, yeah, let's run it back. Let's, like, get, like, an actual winner. Because, like, it feels, like, corny to have a belt to decide who, like, the baddest motherfucker is. But it gets stopped by a doctor. Fair. Fair. I, I, I'm still kind of in shock that they made the title BMF, Baddest Motherfucker. Yeah. That's I mean, a UFC thing very, to do, though. Very unlike the UFC to have fun. So I take that back now that I think of it. Like, I compared it to the Universal title. I'm going to compare it to the 24-7 title now. Nice. Yeah, I mean... Just to demote it a little bit. It's definitely more of like a... I mean, I don't, I don't think the UFC will do that again for a long time. I mean, that was like their 500th live event. And, like, it was a big occasion. I mean, they got a lot of push behind it, but I don't think it's something that you'll start to see, like, every once a year or something. You think the BMF title stays? Or do you think that was uh, a one-off thing? See, that's a good question. Like, I don't know if that's something that they're going to, like, 
have be defended. I think that might just be like that might just be Masvidal's. I don't know. I feel like uh, McGregor could come back for it. I'd love to see Masvidal piece up McGregor. It'd be fun. Just think of all like the cocky, arrogant jackasses in the UFC, and hopefully they're within the one seventy, one sixty five weight class, and uh, put them in the yeah, I mean, in the octagon together. You got Masvidal, you got Diaz, you got McGregor, you got Khabib. They're all assholes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's something that they'll like have be like considered an actual belt. Like, it seems like a one time thing, but I don't know. We'll see. And what, you said there were four knockouts on the prelims? Yeah, all four prelims. That's how great the prelims were this year at MSG? Yeah, no, it was very... The card lived up to the hype, even though there was kind of a disappointing end to the main event, and the co-main was somewhat boring. So let's take a look at the rest of that card before we dive into the Canelo fight. So obviously, Jorge Masvidal defeats Nate Diaz, and you said he basically conquered that entire fight. Like, it wouldn't have been close. it was pretty decisive. He landed the heavier strikes. He bloodied Nate up pretty easily which it's nate diaz and no one has more scar tissue on their face than nate diaz because of how many times he's been hit in the face right but um it was masvidal's fight and it was it was a fun fight too i mean it was nate didn't get like killed like it still felt like he was somewhat in it but it kind of felt like if jorge like really 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 wanted to he could have finished him at one point in the second round he had him hurt pretty bad and what, it was just a big cut that, that basically, like, too much blood pouring out, or what was it? Yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, there have been way worse cuts that people have continued to fight through in the past. If you look at Tyson Fury's last fight against Otto Wallen, he got, like, his cut was, like, two times the size of what Diaz's was. I thought but his last fight was against Braun Strowman. Yeah, it's about, like, where the laceration is, and if it's, like, right on the eyelid, then that's, like, really, really bad. Oh, yeah. But Diaz's was, like, more on his eyebrow. And he also had one underneath that same eye. So, I mean, it was bad. And, like, it definitely could have, like, been really bad if, like, they kept letting the fight go on. But it's Nate Diaz. Like, you got to know who you're dealing with. And, like, the New York State Athletic Commission has a history of, like, since they're new to MMA, super tedious. And, like, they're very, very, very cautious compared to, like, some of the other places. And they won't they won't take a chance like that. Like, someone, I guess, like you could say, like, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who's been doing this for years and years and years. No, oh, but you're definitely right. Nate Diaz, like, it's Nate Diaz. He's going to go until his body collapses. We've seen him multiple yeah. times. Obviously, now it's proven that he's not the baddest motherfucker, but he definitely is a motherfucker. And uh, you got to let him fight there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that rematch is going to be huge. If they do it, I mean, they have, and they kind of already did, and it would be very characteristic for him to just take another two year hiatus without coming back. No, I mean, when was his last? His last fight was like six months ago, right? Not not even, it was like three months ago. He came back and he fought Anthony Pettis, which was his first fight since the second McGregor fight. So he took three years off and then fought three months ago. It was a while before so he came back. That was August. So the first McGregor fight was March of 2016, I believe. He, he tapped out McGregor in the second round. UFC 202 was the rematch in August of 2016 where McGregor won in the five-set uh, finish. Yeah, August 2016 was the rematch. And then they were talking McGregor-Diaz 3 for the trilogy for the first ever MSG show before they ended up going with McGregor and... Uh, uh, Eddie Alvarez, which Eddie Alvarez yeah. was not ready for that fight at all. Like, not even a little bit. Eddie's the underground king, and he's a, a warrior, but he's never been on the top level, even though he's won belts and everywhere he's been. And, I mean, that, that sounds like a, a ridiculous thing to say. He's been, like, a champion in, like, every uh, company that he's fought in. When he's faced, like, a, a top, top, top guy, he's not gotten the job done. And that was, like, the quickest 
uh, time frame, I think, that anybody's ever come back from. Obviously, Diaz comes back nearly two and a half, three months after his fight with Pettis in August. But at the same time, Diaz dominated most of that fight, so he really wasn't roughed up that bad. Yeah, I mean, Pettis, Pettis cut him up. Pettis did hurt him at one point in the fight. But again, like, it's Nate Diaz. Like, you can hurt Nate Diaz, but, like, putting Nate Diaz away. He, so, I mean, he's lost 12 times in his uh, MMA career and only... Two of them have been TKOs, and he's only been submitted once. Right. So he's one of the hardest guys ever to put away. And he roughed up McGregor pretty bad in UFC 202. That was August 2016. They go the distance. McGregor's, both of them, I think, walked out on crutches. Well, they didn't walk out. They limped out on crutches. And then McGregor's back two and a half months later, first week in November at 205. Like, that was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, he became a two-division world champion quickly after that, and then Nate seemingly disappeared. Seemingly. He was gone for three years. Three years, Hunter. And, I mean, that's how it is. Like, they don't care about the UFC or the company or promoting or anything. Like, I mean, they're they're the Diaz brothers. That's Nick Diaz. Like, he's been rumored to come back several times, and then he just gets in trouble again. Yeah, and he's dealt with, like, suspensions for, like, weed and, like, other stuff. And, I mean, That's an easy one to get suspended for. He's, like, the embodiment of, like, anti-establishment in the UFC. I mean, that's an easy one to get busted for. I feel like a lot of them get busted for weed. Like, try getting busted for what John Jones gets busted for all the time. Like, if Dana White had hair, he'd have so many gray hairs when it comes to John Bones Jones. Definitely. So much John Bones Jones shit we could talk about. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the prelims, obviously. Uh, the fight that Daniel Cormier gave props to, uh, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. Yeah. Giving a ton of props to Corey Anderson in that fight. What, what were your thoughts on that fight? Uh, so, I don't know if it really was, but to a lot of people, it was a number one contender's match for light heavyweight title. Like, the winner of this is probably going to fight John Jones next. It's not going to be a big draw either way. Corey Anderson, John Jones would be interesting, but I think no one would really give Corey Anderson a shot. But... Johnny Walker was a guy who came into the UFC with a lot of hype. He's like a he's a fun guy. He dances on his way to the ring. He does like all sorts of like capoeira and like spinning technique in the octagon. He kills people like first round knockouts and they're like brutal like spinning back fists and like elbows out of the clinch and flying knees. And yeah, I think a lot of people thought that he was just gonna roll through Corey Anderson and you know then like get a title shot that like some people would be interested in. But Corey Anderson just hit him hard right. And then Walker stumbled and wasn't able to recover, and Anderson got on top of him and finished him. Well, here's the tweet from Daniel Cormier. A couple of years, I said, so I guess he's saying a couple of years ago, I said something about my man Corey Anderson. I didn't think he was ready. He's ready now, and he's a real problem. Congrats, my man. I, I mean, so Corey Anderson versus John Jones. Let's say that fight does happen next. Obviously not a real huge box office draw. What if you put Daniel Cormier in Corey Anderson's corner? Then it's kind of a draw. Maybe. I mean... DC can, DC's got to worry about Stipe again, so if they do that trilogy, but, um... Is he not retired? So, they're probably going to do a trilogy, and, like, that's going to be it for DC, but, I mean, who knows? Which sucks, because... He talked about retiring this past March, he's, like, like, I think, like, a a year or two ago. Like, that was, that was, like, confirmed that he was going to do the Brock Lesnar fight, and then he was going to retire. Yeah, and then, like, Brock like, left the USADA testing pool, and, like, I think a lot of people thought he was going to beat Stipe again in the rematch, and then, like, that could have been it, but, you know, now, like, since he's lost, like, that trilogy is, like, I don't know, I don't know that it's necessary, but I think a lot of people would like to see them fight for a third time. Yeah, I don't think we ever talked about the the, the second fight in August. That was totally, 100%, Daniel Cormier's fight to win. 
And then out of nowhere, Stipe comes in with the jabs at the very end and pulls out the knockout win. Yeah, I mean, just body shot after body shot, and DC didn't know what to do. It was very uncharacteristic of him why he wasn't, like, grappling and wrestling more. But um, he just kind of, like, froze in the moment, and Stipe put him away. It was shocking. Daniel Cormier dominated that entire fight. It wasn't even close. Like, you're like, all right, all he's got to do is basically bite his time, isolate the clock, and it's over. And yeah, out of nowhere... There's a good chance that he was going to... If that fight went to decision, there's a good chance he was going to get his hand raised. I mean, that was literally out of nowhere at the final two. So the only offensive strikes that Stipe had against Cormier were in those final seconds, and he put them away. Yeah, yeah, and that's all it takes, especially at heavyweight, especially at heavyweight. Which is absolutely incredible. You think that that's going to be the next fight, though, Stipe versus... Uh, Danny 3, the trilogy. I mean, yeah, it's what makes sense. I think DC's past John Jones at this point. Like, that doesn't, like, we're not going to get that fight again, and then that's fine. I think they're both probably pretty content with that. And, I mean, like, DC Stipe 3 with, like, it being DC's, like, confirmed last fight would be huge. And, like, if Stipe beats him, like, I think it's pretty much a fight to see, like, who's the greatest heavyweight of all time. And obviously this is, like, a career defininer for Cormier. Because if he wins, obviously he'll stick around. And if he loses, know, think, he's definitely... I think this, this next one will be it regardless. And, I, I mean, even if Cormier were to lose again to Stipe, if they were to fight again, he's still a legend because he's a two-division uh, world champion, which in the UFC is very far and few between. But it would also be one of those, like, things where he would be a career second fiddle to Stipe and to John. It's just, it's one of those things. Uh, so I, I think the Corey Anderson fight was probably the most impressive on the prelims. It was definitely the most shocking, I think. Yeah. Uh, the very first fight of the prelims was uh, Jarzinho Rosenstroik, and he put away old Andre Arlovsky in pretty routine fashion with, like, a, a left hook to, like, his, like, the top of his neck, like, below his ear. And, like, Arlovsky just fell like a ton of bricks. And it was one of those things, like, everyone kind of thought was going to happen. Like, Rosenstroik is, like, he's just got, like, a different kind of power, like Francis Ngannou type. And it's just, like, really scary to watch him fight because he, like, kills dudes. But and the, then there was um, Shabazian had a, a nice uh, head kick uh, KO on Brad Tavares. And um, the other fight, which is eluding me, which, oh, yeah, uh, Shane Burgos and uh, Mac one Armarkani had okay. a pretty interesting fight. Or Armarkani was getting the better of him on the ground at first, and then he started to get tired. Burgos, who was like, the way, it's it's weird that Shane Burgos can cut to 145, because if you look at a picture of him, the dude is, like, absolutely shredded, and he's huge for that weight class, uh, like, height-wise. And, like, it's impressive that he can get down to that lower weight, and, like, he just, like, he rips leg kicks and, like, his hooks, like, they're, they're hard. And, like, it just, like, looks like it, like, really, really, really hurts. And there was a point where he had, like, Amir Khani, like, locked up on the ground. He was just, like, throwing hooks to his rib cage, And it, it looked pretty brutal and eventually stopped him in the third. I think it would all hurt, especially to us. It would kill yeah, us. But, like, like, obviously, like, every, every little thing they do in there 100% for sure hurts. But, like, some of those guys, like Rosenstroik for their weight class and, like, Burgos at 145, like, it looks like it's coming in with, like, a little more heat. Like, you know, in baseball, like, like there's two guys who, like, both throw 100 miles an hour, but one of them just looks like it's got a little more heat to it. Like, there's, like, a little more velocity. It's one of those things. Okay, I can relate to that. That's kind of scary to think of how they could definitely go to the next level in mixed martial arts like that. 
Yeah, that's, no. That's, that's scary. There's so many levels to MMA. And uh, the, well, the first fight of the card was Lee. Kevin Lee versus yeah. Gregor Gillespie. Knockout of the year, probably. You'd say so? I mean, Coming off the four knockouts in the prelims, they thought it was over. Oh, nope. Yeah. Let's kick it off. Kevin Lee. He's easily the best knockout of the night. Like, a big fight for Kevin Lee because, like, he was coming off of a loss to Ally Aquinta. I believe that was his last fight. And, like, he had... He's kind of been exposed as, like, a really good grappler, and he can, like, really go for the first couple of rounds, but he starts, he starts to fade, and his striking's not the best. But he switched camps. Uh, he switched to TriStar, which he thanked Joe Rogan for in his uh, post-fight interview, which is actually pretty cool, because I think he was on a podcast with Rogan, and Rogan sort of suggested the move, and then yeah, he made it. Yeah. And Shouldn't he looked point. like a different fight. And, like, obviously he looked, like, he looked great. And he got a beautiful head kick KO. And it seems like he's right back there now for, like, he's going to be right in, like, big fights. I mean, he just looked right. I mean, he totally let loose. It seemed like he was just swinging freely. He, he looked awesome. Except for the staff on his chest. That looked pretty bad. He's yeah. had staff in, like, two or three fights now, which is weird. That, that did not look healthy. Not even not a little bit. I mean, he got to do that in front of uh, 45, President Donald Trump, who was I'm in sure attendance. huge for him. First president in the history of the United States of America to attend a UFC fight, let alone a giant championship fight. It's pretty cool. I mean, I don't, there, it seemed like there was a mixed reaction, but yeah. Especially in New York. Kind of I don't think, go. unless you're like a homegrown, humble, kind, clutch, and historic figure in New York, you're always going to get a mixed reaction. I don't even think The Rock yeah. got an overall great reaction. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would probably get booed by some random dude in the street in New York if they saw me, so. Yeah, 100%. But I think it was Dana White who said that uh, out of all the businessmen who turned their backs on UFC or at least doubted them, Donald Trump was the one guy that always promoted UFC. It's like, it's going to be this next great thing, and there he I was. Think I saw him say something like it was the biggest like reception he had ever seen a celebrity get since yeah. like, he's been with the UFC. And like definitely a bunch of people booing him, but apparently there were like more cheers than boos, which is like not something you'd expect, I don't think. Was he there for the entire night, or was he just there for a few fights, made his appearance, and left? I think he got there right at the beginning of the pay-per-view. So, so he didn't see the prelims. The prelims. Sorry, no, Corey Anderson. Fan. Sorry, Corey Anderson. He's there when it goes on pay-per-view. That's a big night. Donald Trump, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Dana White, Madison Square Garden, New York City. Derek Lewis <laughs> made his return to the Octagon. Big, the Black Beast, yeah. And he looked, he looked a little bit slimmer than... Normal. It seemed like he maybe had a, a bit of an easier weight cut. Uh, slimmer, yeah. Not slim, but slimmer. Definitely not. But, I mean, he, like, the guy that he's fighting, Blago Ivanov, for people who don't know, he's from Bulgaria, and he almost died because he got stabbed in the heart. Like, this is, like, five or six years ago when he had, like, first, like, became a, a professional MMA fighter. Like, he got stabbed in the heart in, like, the streets of Bulgaria and, like, almost died. And, like, he was out of action for, like, two years or something like that. And then he comes back, and he, he just starts running through guys. And then he gets a UFC contract. And now he's, like, in Madison Square Garden eating, like, these just bombs from Derek Lewis. Like, the chin on Ivanov is, like, ridiculous that he didn't fall over during that fight. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, like, you can even, like, see, like, in the middle of his chest, there's, like, a indention from where he got stabbed. That's, that's terrible. And yeah, I mean, you talk about, like, guts. 
and like bad motherfuckers. Like that's a bad motherfucker. I mean, going like, going into that fight after experiencing that against Derek Lewis, a guy who we've seen just maim his opponents. Time yeah, I mean, and time I feel like again. you lose all fear at that point. You're like, I mean, I survived getting stabbed in the heart. Like, I can handle a few punches at the head. I mean, and especially like European guys and like big like bulky like guys from like Bulgaria and Russia and like places like that. They're known for being able to like wear damage really well and just like push forward through anything and i mean he's no different i mean like some of the like the shots that he was eating from Derek lewis are like it looked like it wasn't phasing him but like it's like getting hit by a car and what, what did what did Derek say he was trying to hit him in the booty hole that was yeah, his post-game yeah. comment that was that was one of his lines from the night uh, anytime Derek lewis wins a fight it's good for the ufc and like pr because you know you're gonna get some sort of memorable quote from him and he actually called out donald trump too saying i know yeah. that everything ain't good in the white house but shit you got to turn that shit around in 2020 yeah, and he had mentioned him after he knocked out Alexander Volkov, uh, whatever UFC that was. He said Donald Trump called me and told me to knock this Russian motherfucker out, <laughs> which I don't think actually happened. But still, Derek Lewis is hilarious. You uh, you ever think Donald Trump's getting in the octagon with Derek Lewis? Or to wrap the belt around his waist? That yeah. would be something. I wonder how what Trump thinks about him. I wonder if Donald Trump was the if he got the opportunity instead of The Rock to wrap the BMF title around Diaz or uh, Masvidal if he would if he would have just wrapped it around himself first. I can't imagine a lot of those guys would be okay with that. I mean, like Masvidal actually like. He called Trump a bad motherfucker, too. But you'd imagine some of those guys wouldn't want anything. What, like a, a bad motherfucker or just, like, a bad motherfucker? Like, I don't like, like this like, guy. Like, as in, like, respect. Like, yeah. he... Uh, so, it was a night of many returns. Derek Lewis was back. Nate Diaz back. Steven Wonderboy Thompson back. That's for the first time since getting Superman punched by Showtime. Yeah, well... He looked... Look great. I, I'll never forget that first match at, uh, I think it was Madison Square Garden. It was at 205, right before McGregor Alvarez, him and, him and Woodley. Was that, that was the rematch, right? No, that was the first one. The rematch, the obviously, Woodley, I think, destroyed him in, or just, like, wasn't as entertaining. Well, it was another, they were, both of their fights were actually pretty boring. No, I no, mean, no, the first one was great, because it looked like Woodley was going to snap Thompson's neck in half, and Thompson somehow prevailed, and it resulted in a draw. yeah. It was one of those things where it was, like, there was a lot of just, like, standing and, like, there, there's so many feints because, like, the way the Wonder Boy fights is, like, no one else in the UFC. And, like, Woodley is a, known for being, like, very, like, conscious and smart and sticking to a game plan. So there was, it was, like, the Cold War out there for a while where you're, like, is anyone, like, actually going to, like, throw anything or are they just going to, like, stand there for 20 minutes? And that was what he was, uh, get my thoughts together here. Unanimous decision last night for Wonder Boy. Yeah, yeah, he uh, won pretty unanimously. And Vicente Luque, the guy that he was fighting, is known for being a guy like Lago Ivanov and like Nate Diaz and Masvidal, like a guy who just like eats everything and like no matter like what you throw at him, he's gonna take it. But he's gonna keep coming. He's not gonna back down. But Wonder Boy was definitely like on another level, MMA wise. He got the best of almost all the striking exchanges. It was a good bounce back win for him. A dangerous fight to take too, especially after coming off of a knockout. Because Luke is one of those guys who could just like tag you with something and then like pounce and put you out. Yeah. But Wonder Boy, he survived and he looked pretty good. And now he's right one or two fights away from being right back in title contention. And Wonder Boy is probably one of the few guys in the welterweight division who could give the champ Kamaru Usman some problems. 
which is great to see. I'm a huge uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fan. Thought it, both of his fights, good. both of his fights with Woodley, I thought were great. You think they were slow, which is. I mean, they were like if you're like a, an MMA purist and like you love like the like the art of two guys fighting, like in that sense, like yeah, it was like it was a it was a chess match. Yeah. Both times. There was a like, there was a fight a few years ago. It was Cub Swanson and I I forget the other guy's name. But it, it went the distance. Went all five, I think it was five rounds, uh, one of the undercard matches on the pay-per-view. I think it was the night, I could be wrong, Ronda Rousey versus uh, Nunez, Amanda Nunez. Oh, okay. And uh, I forget his name, but it went the distance. Every single second of that fight was just haymaker after haymaker. You were shocked someone didn't get knocked out within the first 12 seconds. It was just a phenomenal fight. I believe it might have been the uh, the Duho Choi fight. I yes, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't that know if it was the same night as Rousey that Nunes. Was the fight but... of the year. I don't. Let me uh, look. I don't think it was. I think it was actually. Yeah, it was two oh six, which was, uh, or maybe it was actually no. Yeah, it was. It was two oh six, which is when Max Holloway and Pettis fought for the interim. For okay. The right. Okay, and then... But was, still, yeah, that, I believe that one fight of the year in 2016. Which is insane. Like, that was arguably the best fight I ever saw in UFC. Yeah. I mean, huge cup fans last fights before he had to go uh, be in the Korean military, which is sad. <sighs> That's right. That was his swan song. That sucks. What about the uh, co-main event? Darren Till, huge win for him. What are your thoughts on that? It, big win. Like, oh risky fight to take for your middleweight debut against yeah. a guy coming off of like one of the fights of the year this year against Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum. I don't think it was a fight that a lot of people thought Till was going to win considering Till had just gotten knocked out twice at a weight lower than middleweight and like Gastelum's a guy who's like he's top heavy he's got a lot of pop and I think people thought like you know Till might go lights out again and like then what if you've been knocked out three times in a row maybe this isn't for you but I mean he stuck to like what he needed to do and it was a boring fight you could say but i mean like it was one of those things where like neither guy really like committed to you know trying to take each other out and till was a little more active a little more aggressive gaslam didn't really know what he wanted to do i don't think either of them did but um i think till deserved the win but it was one of those fights where it was a split decision and one judge had it 30 27 for gaslam right. giving him all three rounds and another judge had a 30-27 for Till, which should never happen. Fights are never that close to where, like, in a three-round fight like that, where, like, don't see how you could give one guy all three rounds and another guy give the other person all three rounds. That, that should never happen. Well, so here was the uh, final score. So it was the judges, like you said, 30-27 in favor of Gastelum, 29-28 and 30-27 toward Till. That, I mean, that sort of stuff, it, it's so weird. And, like, I think, like, Till, to me, like, was a clear winner. Like, Gaslam never really had an edge. He never, like, landed something big that hurt Till. And, yeah, uh, that was Till's fight to me. And then, of course, the main event, Rock makes his entrance with the BMF title. Electric. Very, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Though UFC is not really sports entertainment. More of a sport. But The Rock was in the house. Diaz makes his entrance. Masvidal makes his entrance. Um, both fighters introduced to find out who the baddest motherfucker in MMA in the game was going to be. And throughout the entire... We already mentioned it. You said that Diaz basically got his ass kicked in this fight. Masvidal would have won regardless if this fight wasn't stopped. Yeah, well, I mean, like, say if, like, 
unless Nate was able to pull out, like, two 10-8 rounds on the fourth and the fifth. Like, if Masvidal would have just, like, held on for the rest of the fight, he would have... A barring, like, a, a weird, like, judge's decision, like, Masvidal won those three rounds. And again, Nate Diaz, the cut right over his eye. Like, that's a very thin part of the face. Like, a very, like, obviously, like, from the, the eyebrows up, like, in the center of your forehead. Like, that's the easiest part to get cut. Like, you see it in wrestling all the time. Like, some guys just bleed. And all you yeah. got to do is slightly cut it open and you'll get a bucket of you'll blood. Gush, yeah. And when Nate bleeds, he gushes, for sure. That's not a real motherfucker move from Nate Diaz, but yeah. I digress. He's from Compton. Stockton. Stockton. I knew I got that wrong. Stockton, 209. And he was going to fight at 209. Uh, but during that fight, so it was Diaz, Masvidal. The people in Vegas were waiting. In the boxing ring, were waiting. Canelo yeah. was waiting. And uh, it didn't affect him in the end. I mean, it was the same game plan he had probably throughout the entire night. I mentioned it before we came on, the Floyd Mayweather effect, where he kind of just waited him out to the point where, what, round 11 he comes in with a knockout blow? Now four-division champ. What are your thoughts on uh, Canelo's win? For it being his first, like, real challenge at light heavyweight, he definitely, like, he hung in there, and he, like, game-planned Kovalev, where, like, Sergey Kovalev is one of those guys who, like, throughout his career has, like, he's been an aggressor. He puts people away early. He's, like, got these, like, big power punches that, like, people can't come back from. But he had his own game plan against Canelo. It was just throw the jab out, throw the jab out. Buddy McGirt, his trainer, like, that was what they said the game plan was. It was just, like, keep tapping him, keep tapping him. Don't let him get in a rhythm. You let it be Kovalev's pace uh, through all 12 rounds. And, like, the first part of it, he did a great job. Like, Canelo didn't do much. And, like, I at the time of the knockout, I had Kovalev up six rounds to four. And I think it's very possible that someone could have had, like, Kovalev up even more than the two rounds that I did. And granted, it is Canelo, and it was in Las Vegas, and there's a good chance that if a fight goes to decision, Canelo's probably going to get the win because that's just how it goes in boxing. So do you think, obviously, from your standards, do you think Kovalev had a chance if it went to decision? Or I mean, you- like, to me, like, if we're, like, putting, like, all of, like, boxing's, like, nonsense and, like, quote-unquote, like, being rigged that people want to say it is sometimes, like, yes. Like, I think Canelo wins round 11 or round 12, I would have had it six rounds apiece as a draw. And, I mean, obviously, like, there's a few rounds that could have gone either way. But, you know, like, Kovalev 100% had a chance to win. Oh, well, the, the first... Sent to Dream Street. The, yeah, at the very end, round 11. But the first five rounds, I mean, 10-9 Kovalev, 10-9 Canelo, 10-9 Kovalev, 10-9 Canelo, 10-9 Canelo. That put Canelo up by one through the first five rounds. Then 10-9 Canelo, 10-9 Canelo... 10-9 Kovalov, 10-9 Kovalov. Like, all of these rounds could have gone either way. Yeah, no, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it totally depends on who the judge is and what they view as, like, point boxing versus, like, who's doing more damage and who looks better and who's the fresher guy. And, like, people, like, there was one round I remember in particular, I want to say, like, round seven or eight, where, like, Canelo just, like, took off. And, like, boxers, you see that a lot in boxing where, like, guys will take a round or two off to, like, get their steam back yeah but like you know like if you look at the if you pull up the copy box i'm sure kovalev threw uh triple the amount of punches that canelo did in that fight at least just just for the jab and like his left hand was out there at least like <laughs> once every two seconds i mean canelo just weathered the storm and waited and he he was counter punching and he eventually got his big one and as soon as he saw that kovalev was stunned he went in for the kill 
and knocked him out. Dream Street, like you said. So this is Saul's, what, first fight in the 175-pound division? Right. Saul Canelo Alvarez. So his first fight in the 175-pound division, a very successful one, uh, taking Kovalov's uh, WBO title. Stunning 11th-round stoppage. Who's next for Canelo Alvarez? Um, unless they have, like, a mandatory for that belt, which boxing is super weird about having mandatory challengers, and, like, every now and then you'll get the super fight, like, where Canelo and Triple G fought twice. But otherwise, it'll probably... If, like, if it was my choice and it was still a light heavyweight, Archer Bedzerbiev is... He's got two of the four belts in light heavyweight. And, I mean, he would be another obstacle for Canelo to overcome. I mean, I think there's no doubt, like, at this point, like, Canelo is at least the top three boxer in the world. Some people would probably have him at one. So, uh, I guess we'll end the show with this. Canelo picks up the win. Uh, Jorge Masvidal confirmed the baddest motherfucker, at least in the UFC, now has his BMF title presented to him by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Huge honor. Did you or did you not see Crown Jewel? I did not. I saw a highlight package of it, but um, I, I think I was still in class when it kicked off. You and, mean like, you I didn't get up at 7 in the morning to watch Crown Jewel on a Thursday? No way. Oh, well, I guess that's what, 7 a.m. your time? I think it was like 1 or 2 over here. Yeah, that sounds about right. What do you think of uh, The Fiend winning the Universal title? I mean, about time. Like, that's... It's weird that, like... Because when they first started doing those Saudi shows, it was like, well, is this actually going to play a part in the storyline? With, like, the... But they ran the best-in-the-world crap into the ground for, like, months on end. So, like, obviously, like, it mattered. And it was more than just, like, a money spectacle. Well, Bray Wyatt and The Fiend is, like, the best thing I've seen in wrestling since, like, I started watching again a few years ago. And now he brings the title over to SmackDown. Brock Lesnar just quit SmackDown on SmackDown. So now he's going to Raw. So the titles are changing for the first time in, what, four or five years. Hopefully yeah. that's interesting. I don't know who Wyatt's going to go into a feud with. Uh, I think Survivor Series, I think he'll probably face. So is it, they're, they're promoting it for Survivor Series, not to get too deep into it. But it's going to be Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. So you could right. see Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar versus Adam Cole. Which is... Electric. I mean, NXT easily has the best wrestling in the world. I don't really think it's a question. Right. And you might have, like, a five-on-five-on-five elimination tag team match. And, I mean, like, obviously it's not going to happen, but, like, if I'm booking that, I'm putting NXT over everyone. A a clean sweep. Honestly, now that Fox has put it so much into SmackDown, they'll probably end up winning this year because Raw has dominated every year since the split. Yeah, it always seems like that. So SmackDown might get the edge this year, but Bray Wyatt... Universal champion, kind of a shocking win at Crown Jewel. And on the topic of boxing, since we were talking about Canelo, Tyson Fury knocks out Braun Strowman only to put Strowman over moments later. Yeah, it was Tyson's, I don't know, I mean, it wasn't good, but it was never going to be good. But, like, it wasn't as bad as, like, I think some people maybe thought it was going to be. Like, maybe, like, someone who doesn't know, like, what Tyson Fury is and just, like, saw that and was like, well, that's terrible. Oh, yeah. But, like, I mean... He did, like, a kip-up. Yeah, like, that's that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. I mean, like, his, like, fake punches are, like, Shane McMahon-level bad. But, like, he does real punches for a living, so, like, you can't blame the yeah, guy. Yeah, but, like, Shane McMahon punches could probably work in the UFC if, like, your opponent doesn't have hands. So it didn't <laughs> yeah. look that bad. He's fighting Nick Newell, maybe. Yeah. And I think the original plan was for Tyson Fury to face Brock Lesnar, which would have been brutal, I think, to watch. Yeah, I mean... Because, like, at least Kane has, like, some of, like, the, the lucha yeah. experience. Whereas, like, Tyson has... He's, he's Ty, Tyson Fury is, like, 
first off, like, great name for a wrestler. He's got a great personality. He's got charisma through the roof. And, like, if it's something he really wanted to work on, he could get good at it. And then the other big fight was Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez. Obviously, Cain Velasquez retiring from UFC. Now in WWE, he's Rey Mysterio's heavy, and he gets his ass kicked by Lesnar in his first ever match. I don't, yep. I don't, I didn't like that booking whatsoever. I thought both of those huge, highly anticipated matches, Lesnar versus Kane and then uh, Strowman versus Fury, both completely underwhelming. Yeah, and usually when Brock kicks off a show, it means he's dropping. But, I mean, I, I don't think the Kane thing was uh, recepted as well as I think they thought it was going to be. Not even, I mean, his theme song, I, I feel like the theme music, like your entrance theme, kind of makes everything for you. And his just for sucks. Some people, definitely. His sucks. Yeah. I mean, and, like, the whole thing, like, like I, I remember, like, the week before he was introduced where, like, Brock just came out and attacked, like, Ray and Dom. It was, like, okay, like, that's weird. And, like, I don't like them sticking Ray with Kane just because. No. Hey, I mean, they're both like, Mexican. an interesting way yeah. to get Kane in there, but I don't know. It didn't work for me. It, it, in, yeah, I mean, for in order to get him in, it works. You attack Ray, attack his son. Oh, Ray's big friend, Kane Velasquez. Lesnar's yeah. old foe. But now, but it's like, like, it's Not over. a lot of people, not a lot of wrestling fans are also, like, MMA fans. Like, exactly. uh, I guarantee you that, like, there was at least half of that stadium was like, who's that? Exactly. Same thing with Tyson Fury in a lot of ways. But at least, like, like, Cain Velasquez has, like, no, like, mic skills or, like, character whatsoever. Like, Tyson Fury can at least, like, have a promo. Where it's kind of like Paul Heyman versus Rey Mysterio on the mic. And then Lesnar and Kane Velasquez. Yeah. And Ray's never really been that good on the mic either. No, not even a little bit. So, uh, Crown Jewel wrapped up. WWE continues to plummet AEW. What are your early thoughts on the weekly AEW Dynamite before we wrap up? I mean, it sucks that, like, in an NXT or the shows that have to compete, I wish it was, like, AEW and, like, Raw or SmackDown. Oh, that would have been so much better. So much more satisfying. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, NXT is, like... NXT and AEW, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a New Japan guy. I don't follow that as closely as I do other stuff. But, I mean, like, AEW, it's great matches every week. It's, like, they're building storylines. They have a lot of good characters. It's, it's, it's good. All the promos are fire. I don't know if you saw Chris Jericho's first Inner Circle promo when he had, like, Swagger and Guevara yeah. Yeah. and Ortiz and Santana. Fire promo. It's I great. Think. And, like, guys like, I mean, like, Jack Swagger gets to do double duty where like he gets to fight in Bellator and like be this heavy for uh, a stable and like a pro wrestling gig and like guys like Sammy Guevara and like Darby Allen like they would like they WWE wouldn't have a clue what to do with guys like that Mm -hmm. Darby Allen very impressive in his uh, fight with Jericho yeah he had his hands tied behind his back and was stealing the show I mean like Anytime Darby Allen doesn't call and drop a pop. And, like, guys like Jimmy Havoc would be, like, jobbing to Braun Strowman on, yeah. like, Raw every week. He'd be the James yeah. Ellsworth of the, of the division. Yeah, but, I mean, like, they they knew what they were doing. Obviously, everyone knew that, like, they were going to come through with, like, good wrestling. Like, SCU, great first tag team champs. Their tag team division is awesome. It's, it's good. It's, I think, like, it's probably doing better than people maybe expected. I'm sure some people had really high expectations for it because they knew, like, the talent that was going to be there and, like, what all they were bringing to the table. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really good. I think regardless, the wrestling world's heating up. If Obviously, Raw, I think, is the worst show out of all of them right now. 
you have AEW Dynamite, NXT, Friday Night SmackDown, which it's been better since SmackDown's taken over. You could say, in some ways, yeah. and that's all of them. So it's AEW, it's mean? NXT, it's SmackDown, it's Raw. Uh, Canelo is now a four division world champ in boxing. Nate Diaz, unfortunately, does not come away with the BMF title. It's going to be Jorge Masvidal gets the honors from Dwayne the Rock Johnson at the end, wraps around his waist. For UFC 244, Donald Trump was there. The O Show presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. Hunter, you have a ton of shirts from the Belly Up Shop. Where can you get them? You can get them at uh, designtree.com. What kind of options we got? We got free Pete, right? You got yeah, that got one. That's a good one. Uh, well, we got the Rosen one. I like that one. It's a decent design. The Rosen there's, there's one, Josh like, Rosen. There's a lot of good designs. Uh, fucking Savages, New York Yankees shirt, although that gimmick might be over now that Jose Altuve sent, sent, sent us packing a couple Just of weeks back. Savage. Yeah. No, they're the apex predators of baseball. We're, th- we're still the savages. I think so. But plenty of good options at designtree.com. You could also go to bellyupshop on bellyupsports.com to get those T-shirts. Remember to use the promo code OSHO10 for $10 off your next order at tickpick.com whenever you're buying tickets for sporting events or concerts. And use the promo code OSHO20 for $20 off your next order at mechanutrition.com to get all your good protein and carbohydrate shakes, Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Hit it, Hootie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.